We were turning back to the portion that was read earlier, but I'm just going to read a couple of verses again. Luke chapter 2, it is. And we're going to read verses 11 and 12. And we have illustrations here. We're trying to uh, think about the boys and girls, but um, I hope we don't fall between two stools in seeking to uh, speak to the boys and girls, but also to the adults. But Luke chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. And unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Let's just unite together, please, at uh, the throne of grace. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank thee for the Saviour who came. We do thank thee for the, uh, what has taken place already. We thank thee for the children taking part. We do thank thee for the work in London there. And we rejoice in what God is doing in different places. And we pray that thou wouldst continue to work and continue to bless and add to the church such as should be saved. Draw sinners to thyself, to the mighty Saviour who left the realms of glory and came into this world. For it's in Jesus' precious name I would ask these things. Amen. Now, boys and girls, what I want to uh, think about today is the small things that took place at our Saviour's birth. Now, you might think that you're small and you're insignificant, and you might think, well, there's nobody will pay much attention to me. But you know, the Lord Jesus takes the weak things of the world, the small things, the little things, and he uses them for his own glory and for his own praise. And oftentimes, he'll not take the mighty things or the big things because he wants to have all the glory. And I was just thinking then about the small things that are associated with the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the little town of Bethlehem. There is the tiny stable where he was born. There is the small group of shepherds that were witnesses at his birth, and also the small uh, but significant gifts that were given by the wise men. And we just want to think about these small things that were at the birth of the Saviour. Now, first of all, we have the little town of Bethlehem. The prophet Micah that Reuben read there said, uh, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little amongst the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that, shall be, uh, that, uh, that is to be uh, ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. So while Micah said it's a little town, it is a small town, an insignificant town, yet this town is going to have great significance. And I want you to think about the past of Bethlehem. Even though Bethlehem was small, it had a wonderful history. For example, it was there that Rachel, the beloved wife of Jacob, died and was buried. 
and you think about Rachel and how uh, she lost her life there in childbearing, but we think of how that happened at Bethlehem. It was also at Bethlehem that Ruth met Boaz. And remember how Boaz was uh, looking after the fields, and Ruth then came to meet him, and eventually they were married, and eventually uh, David came of that line, Jesse, his father, then David, and how Bethlehem was their home. And of course, then it was the home place where David was born. But you think about Bethlehem, then it was a place of sorrow. You think about Rachel, how she died. It was a place of sorrow. And we think of Bethlehem and the sorrow that is associated with it. And it reminds us, boys and girls, of sin. Sin brings sorrow. Sin brings death. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And we think of how death and sorrow comes into this world, even into a place like Bethlehem. It comes in, uh, and we think of the sorrow that there was when Rachel died there in Bethlehem. Not only is it a place of sorrow, it's a place of salvation. Because Ruth, the Moabites, came to Bethlehem with her mother-in-law. And she came from her own people and she left them behind. And she came into Bethlehem and she had no food. And her mother-in-law was poor and they had nothing to feed themselves. And she went out into the field to glean uh, the corns of barley. And she was just taking what she could. She was eking out a living by taking something out of the field. And then we read about this man, Boaz, who was the owner of the field. And we read how that Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, said to her, Go and lie at the feet of Boaz. He's a kinsman. And maybe he will redeem you, a kinsman redeemer. And you'll know the story, boys and girls, that afterwards Ruth went and she lay at Boaz's feet and he was willing to be her redeemer and her kinsman redeemer and to make her his wife. And by that means, not only was Ruth saved, but her mother-in-law was saved as well. And you think of the place of salvation. And of course, Bethlehem is the place of salvation where our Savior came and where he uh, was uh, to be our Savior. And he was called Jesus because he would save his people from their sin. And then, of course, Bethlehem was a place of sovereignty. It was where King David was and his kingdom was going to be established. And we think of the great kingdom of David, which is the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And one day those of us that are saved will reign with him. And he'll be our king. And he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I hope that he is your king today and your savior. We think of the little town of Bethlehem and the prophecy that was made 2,700 years before that the Messiah would come. And of course, the Lord Jesus Christ, if, if fulfilled all of that, we think of the eternity whose goings forth have been of old. And then also we think of the determination of the Savior, his purpose of redemption. All is 
seen in the little town of Bethlehem. But then the second thing, second tiny thing, is the tiny stable where he was born. What was the stable? Was it a cave? Was it a barn? Was it a house? There are different people who have different uh, conceptions of what the stable was. We'll not go into that today, but it was a tiny place. And you think of the tiny stable where the Savior was born, and you think of the sadness of the stable, because they had to be in the stable because there was no room in the inn. And you think of how the Savior was going to be born, the Son of God, the great King of kings and Lord of lords, and yet the innkeeper had no room for the Savior. There are many people today, and they have no room for the Savior. No room in their hearts, no room in their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, that's sad, particularly at this time of the year when people are supposed to be celebrating his birth, that there's no room in your heart, no room in your life for the Savior. I wonder if you have room for him, room for uh, the things of this earth, but not a room uh, for the blessed Redeemer. We think not only of the sadness of the stable, but the surroundings of the stable. You think of the cattle there and the sheep there, uh, probably cattle more than sheep because the sheep were out on the fields. And you think of that, that stone thing there, that's a manger. That's what a manger looked like. It was a stone feeding trough. Just, you, you would get metal troughs. You went into a, a byre uh, or into a barn today, into the byre where the cattle are, you have a metal form of that. But in Olden, not that very long ago, they would have had stone ones like that. And you think of how the Lord Jesus Christ was laid in a stone, a cold stone manger. Um, the word manger, you think of the French manger. That's the same, because it's just an eating place. It's just a thing to eat out of. And that's all it was. And you think of how the Lord Jesus Christ and his riches in heaven. He was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That we, through his poverty, might be rich. And you know, you think of the splendors that he left and all of these things. And yet he came to be poor in our room and in our stead. Think too of the surprise of the stable, because this was God. God manifest in flesh. God in the little span of a little baby. How could that be? We, we have, our, we have a, a, a job getting our heads around it. And there are many people who think that they're smart, and they have particular difficulty getting their heads around it. But if God made the world, if God can do the impossible, then there is nothing that's impossible with him. And he is God with us. We thought of Emmanuel there. And that's the meaning of that name, God with us. He came to identify with us. He, was, he came to bear our sins in his own body on the tree. And you think of the significance of the stable, because anybody could enter in there. You think of the shepherds, who came. And you think of 
perhaps others that were not told about in the scriptures, but maybe others. But certainly the stable was a place where anybody could come. And you know, that shows us that the Lord is open to receive those that come to him. You don't need to buy a ticket or you don't need to pay a price. The way to come to the Lord Jesus Christ is open today. And we're glad, he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So we think, think of the tiny stable. And then we think about the small group of shepherds. Remember, we're thinking about small things associated with the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you think of the shepherds, and we heard it read earlier on there, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And the Bible says that they were sore afraid. And there were this little group of shepherds who had this great privilege of getting this announcement of the Savior's birth. And you think about the proclamation that they heard. It was a proclamation of joy. That's what the Lord Jesus wants for you and me. Joy. Joy in our hearts. Joy in our lives. I bring you glad tidings of great joy. He wants to have joy in your life. The joy of knowing that your sins are forgiven. The joy that you have a relationship with God. And then the joy that there'll be throughout all eternity. An everlasting Joy, what an exciting plan the Savior has for us. Not only was there an exciting plan, there's an extensive promise. They are good tidings to all people. We said about the, the stable being open, but we have it confirmed in what the angels said to the shepherds. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this is a message to men and women across the world, in different parts of the world, maybe those tuning in, in different parts of the world today. This is a gospel for all people. All may come, all may receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Then there's an extraordinary peace. Peace with God. Peace, he says. On earth, peace. Goodwill toward men. How can we say that in the midst of all the wars in Israel or in Gaza and in Ukraine and in different places around the world? But we're not talking just about that kind of material peace. We're speaking about the peace of God that reigns in the heart. One day... There will be peace throughout the whole earth. One day the Savior will come and will reign. And there will be that kind of peace where there'll be no wars and fightings and the um, lion will lay, lay down with the lamb that the Bible speaks about. But dear friend, a better peace is that peace that is in your heart, that peace with God that uh, makes a blessing upon us. The proclamation that they heard Look at the purpose that they showed. 
It says, And it came to pass that the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem. There's their determination. There's their purpose. Let's go. Let's go to the Savior. Is that your purpose today? Let's go. We have heard about the Savior. We have heard about all of the Christmas message and about the coming of the Savior. But what does the angel say? Go, go, go to him. Go to be with him. And look at the person that they saw. Who did they, when they went, and they did go, they were obedient. What happened? They saw the Savior. They saw the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't he the one that we turn our eyes upon? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And let the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. The fourth small thing. The small but significant gifts of the wise men. We read in Matthew 2, And when they were come, these are the wise men, When they were come into the house, and they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And I want you to think about the gifts. Gold. What does the gold remind us of? It reminds us of his royalty, his glory, his deity. He is God. And if he's God, then we need to obey him. Surely it's good to have a relationship with God. Surely you shouldn't. What a foolish thing it would be to ignore the one who is God. That speaks about his royalty. Then there, and it's not working here, but oh, there it is. Frankincense. Frankincense is the second one. And what does the frankincense remind us of? Well, it also reminds us of his deity because the, uh, the frankincense was um, part of the uh, incense that ascended to God. It speaks of prayer. It speaks of the offerings, actually, in the temple. And we think of our Savior offered himself there, in our room and in our stead. He suffered and bled and dined for our sins. And then the mirror, the mirror for his humanity, because mirror was an embalming ointment. And it speaks about his death, that he would die. He came to die on the cross. The God who is everlasting came to die. And we think of how he died. What for? That we might not need to die everlastingly. What gifts? And these gifts were given by the wise men to the Lord Jesus Christ. But what gifts he gives to us? What gifts he bestows upon those that trust him? Boys and girls, you may get many gifts this season of the year. But the greatest gift that you could have is that gift of everlasting life that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And may you know that gift and that blessing in your life even in these days. Let's just bow, please, in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank thee for the gift of God, which is eternal life. We do thank thee that thou dost provide uh, salvation to those 
that trust in thee. We're glad that thou art able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by thee. And we pray that we might not be like the innkeeper that said there was no room. We pray, Lord, that there might be room in our hearts for thee. Bless thy word and write it upon our hearts for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Can we sing that last um, hymn there, Carol, on the sheet? O come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. And we'll stand as we sing the hymn.
loving God and our gracious Father, we pray that thou wouldst part us in thy fear and with thy blessing now. Take us to our homes in safety, watch over us, and be with us as we seek uh, to worship thee today. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen.